0: And welcome everyone to week nine of the Left Coasters podcast. My name is Tony Cavallo. As always, I'm with Matt D'Angelo Antonio and Brian Balzarini, and we are here to break down what just happened in week eight, look forward to week nine, and break down the Rams as we go along. As always, you can send emails and questions to Podcast at gmail.com, and check us out on Instagram at theleftcoasterspodcast, and on Facebook now, too, at theleftcoasterspodcast. I believe we're called the Left Coasters podcast. We we are. If you
1: haven't figured that out by now, we are the Left Coasters. uh, And we are uh, learning to love the Rams game by game, week by week here in the NFL season. We had a bye last week. We loved them a lot this week. We we did love them a lot because they didn't have any opportunities to shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, But we move on and we will look ahead to next week's game uh, at home here in Los Angeles against the... uh, Carolina Panthers at the Coliseum. Uh, should be a good one. I'm
0: excited for this. I'm very excited, and I will be there. That
1: is right. Tony uh, will be going, and we'll have another week uh, where we get to recap the Rams uh, uh, game with someone who is actually in the stands. Yeah. I'll be, be sure to give time.
0: Time. My, uh, my Yelp review for the stadium and all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> bring um, water yourself. Yeah, I heard, yeah, definitely bring water. And I'm hoping to try and go down and check out the 10 o'clock games early at a bar near the stadium because the Rams don't play until 1.00. I'm interested to see how that works out because uh, I went to a bar this week with you, Dangles. And Brian, you went to a bar as well this week to watch our Sunday games. It's not something I normally do. I'm normally a red zone guy and sit at home on the TV with free beer. I have to say, guys, and to those listening home to watch it with me, I was not a fan of watching Sunday night, Sunday day football at a bar. I was at Buffalo Wild Wings in Glendale. It, Buffalo Wild Wings it was terrible. On well, another that's hand, that's your problem. Let's... But but actually, going to a bar and watching a slate of football games was not something that I'm into. It's for me, it's much better to watch from home. What are you guys, short little take on that?
2: I had a different experience. My experience at the Fox and Hounds in Studio City. I've been to the Fox and Hound in Studio City. It's a nice place. Awesome. Now it was very impromptu. I told my girlfriend uh, the ne- the night before. I was like, "I'm taking the day off and I'm going to watch football." I do not have the Sunday ticket, so I f- unfortunately am forced to watch, forced cable, to games. watch yeah. cable games. Cable games at, at other people's places. But I was able to just walk over there and I watched you know every almost every game uh, at the ten o'clock spot um, with with ease and great great accessibility and watching and I had a blast I ended up staying there for about six hours truth true story and I had a blast. It was a great time, and I got to watch some great football. So kudos to the Fox and Hounds in Studio City.
1: You know, I mean, I, I look. I, we went to we went to the Buffalo Wild Wings in 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 Glendale at you know because it was we, we usually do watch the games at someone's house with mm-hmm. you know free beer and just you know it, it kind and of, rela- and, and kind of relax kind of relax and watch Red Zone. Uh, but this was you know at the request we, some friends wanted to change it up. The guys we watch with on Sunday wanted to change it up a little bit. And I go for the company more than I do for anything yeah, else. Absolutely. So I, you know whatever you want to go to a bar, fine. Let's go to a bar. I'm, you don't have to twist my arm. To eat wings uh, f- oddly enough apparently the Buffalo Wild Wings in Glendale is where washed up child actors go to spend their Sundays watching true. football uh, we saw Frankie Munez Junior of Malcolm in the Middle fame uh-huh. uh, Feeding a parking meter as we Were walking in and then uh, As I was heading to the bathroom I was um, I-, I stumbled across I don't know the actor's name but he Played ham in the sandlot Redhead curly who big kid. says yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who says the guy who says you're killing me smalls Yeah was sitting at a table with some People eating some wings and we I also uh, saw
0: the uh, Original host of American Idol The guy who hosted it with Ryan Seacrest sitting There as well That was another spot that we found I don't, I don't even remember his name. I can't I I don't remember say his name either but he he was sitting yeah. at the bar with us as well. Too. So this this is
1: where people who used to be on TV but aren't anymore apparently go to watch their Sunday football. But look, like I said, I'm happy to go and do it at a bar. I think maybe if we picked a different venue, we might have had a different experience. But, I, you know, there is something to be said for the Red Zone and getting the getting the look into each of the games. It is, But I've always complained on the same token that it's kind of hard to follow the storyline of a game if you're watching on Red Zone and you're only seeing these teams operating inside the 20-yard well, line. Versus, but then you go to a bar like we did this past week and we had every single game on every TV too much. it was hard to watch them all I mean I much. was glued into the Patriots game start which was on one of the big screens behind the bar after the, the fiasco in London ended between oh. Cincinnati and, and, and Washington and it, uh, that's what I was it was hard to, for me to watch anything else whereas I kind of get a little sampling of everything so I don't know I you know I've complained about red zone in the past but it kind of made me realize this past Sunday that I kind of enjoy having it
0: I will say I am a red zone guy through and through but this week uh, sort of mirrored what week one did we came out Here, and I said in the first podcast we did, NFL fans need to be happy about the product that's on the field because we have so many young quarterbacks that are doing so well. And week eight had three matchups between young quarterbacks, where all of the quarterbacks that we're about to name did very, very well. You had the London game with Andy Dalton and Kirk Cousins, had a little bit of a shootout there. You had Derek Carr versus Jameis Winston, where Derek Carr threw for over 500 yards and stole that game in Tampa Bay. Oakland had a bunch of penalties, but Jameis had a good game as well. And then on Sunday night, You had two rookies go at it with Carson Wentz versus Dak Prescott. Both played great games. Dak struggled early but found a way to win in the end. Carson had his team in it and had Dallas on the ropes for the most of that time. The question I want to present to you two is, I'm going to give you those six quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, Derek Carr, Carson Wentz, and Dak Prescott. If you're running a team in the NFL, you're the GM of your team, and you need a quarterback, you get staring at those six guys down the list there. I'm going to give you two questions here. Who's the first name you cross off of that list that you do not want? And who's the name you're going to the team, the QB that you want to QB your team out of those six young guns. So yeah, first let's start with the first guy you cross off that list. You see those six names and you know, you're not taking that guy. I
2: Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins, that's exactly. Really? What I was Kirk say. Cousins, absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever C- seen
0: Kirk Cousins take over
2: a game? Like ju- truly take not over once. a game, not, not once. once.
1: He he's not somebody who who I I would actually be concerned about coming in and just being able to be a field general because he's wow. never showed that he, he can. He needs be a lot of pieces around that. Him. He does. He doesn't have a consistent running game. There, you know, between being injury prone and the fact that their number one running back, Matt Jones, is is. Got to be just one of the worst overall running backs in the NFL. Wow. Not to mention, I mean, his his receivers are all mediocre at best. Pierre Garcon, mediocre. Jamison Crowder, flashes of brilliance on the whole, mediocre. His best passing option is Jordan Reed,
0: his tight end. But he's been doing well enough with that squad, whereas Andy well Dalton enough. has A.J. Green on his team. And A.J. Green's a... a Look, like... I don't
1: know who what's going on in Cincinnati this year. And I would, I would honestly, I think off of that list, I would take Andy Dalton to start a team
0: around. You're picking Andy Dalton? Yeah, Let's absolutely. Let's go there then. All right, you pick Andy Whoa. Dalton. I am case picking, for Andy, the I am red picking red Andy Dalton. He's got experience, right he's got now, experience
1: including playoff experience. Granted, they didn't win their playoff game, but Andy Dalton has taken a team through a season. He has shown me that he can command a drive, that he can sit behind center, and that he can move a team down the field. I don't know what's happening this year maybe the offensive line isn't giving him the protection he needs he has no excuses really in terms of his receiver receiver game we've all seen look at Matt Stafford in Detroit he's got one person and one person only that he can throw to and he's doing just fine Andy Dalton has, has the best receiver in the NFL in his arsenal in AJ Green so maybe it's a confidence thing for him maybe he's not getting the protection he needs maybe you know they're just not being efficient enough I, I'm honestly not sure what's going on in Cincinnati this year. but I'm building my out of of all the quarterbacks you just gave me, he's the most proven. He's the most battle-tested, wow. okay. and he's the one I'm most confident giving the football to and building a team around.
2: All right, Brian, who are you picking that I'm going to go with Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson I, Wentz? Well, I haven't seen anybody do better with with nothing. That's At least Dak true. Pres, Dak, Dak Prescott's got a great team around him. He's got a running game, he's got an offensive line, and he's got a defense that's putting them in games. Carson Wentz? Yeah. I mean, beginning of the season when they traded Sam Bradford, we all kind of said, well, God, who's he gonna to throw to? who's gonna save him in, in those spots? who's you know and, and I think he is a guy who who represents what the league's going to be about the next couple of years. and that's that big, huge six foot five, six foot six quarterback who, who can run the run the triple option, who can also throw accurately on the run, who can also deep ball uh, on you every other play. Once this guy starts getting pieces around him with good drafts, I, I don't know I mean sky's the limit for Doug Peterson and and Carson Wentz now I would also like to point out my one B is Derek Carr
0: yeah I think Carr is a good guy
2: I but you know it kind of took him what a good two seasons to kind of feel comfortable under center where Carson Wentz just I mean out of the snapped into it yeah well, so and- he might have a sophomore slump I, I don't know yet to be seen but he's got his team in a position to potentially take a big division uh, or get a wild card spot Carr the- always
1: seems to me like he's scraping wins out though. You know, like it, it, it's and I you know, you call him scrappy, whatever. That's 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 fine, and he he is. But he's, he's got a big. Play I never receiver. watch. I never watch a game with Derek Carr, and I go, oh man, you know, they, they're they're in they're can't in good him. shape. Yeah. Like they're, they're you can't stop this guy. Like he's going to throw a pick. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to fumble the ball. It happens. I just I haven't ever seen I haven't ever seen that those kind of flashes out of him. So that's kind of what prevented me from going that. Uh, All right that there, you route. go.
0: From uh, those young quarterbacks, let's take our thoughts over to another young quarterback Mr. Cam Newton the reigning MVP uh, won a big game against Arizona but had some choice words to say about the refereeing uh, particularly about how the hits that Cam Newton takes are not flagged the same way that QBs take that other QBs get Uh, his quote was it's really taking the fun out of the game for me honestly because at times I don't even feel safe and enough is enough I plan on talking to Commissioner Goodell about this but it's not fun and I don't know what I have to do. On the hit from Colias Campbell, he said, I could have torn my ACL. That's the breaking point. The story of my life ever since I came in is, oh, oh, well, we missed that one. I'm sorry. We'll try to get it. That's bullcrap. That's bullcrap. As players in this league, we do something stupid, we get fined. If we do something derogatory to somebody else, we get fined. I can't just keep accepting, oh, we missed that one, or I apologize for doing that, or I didn't see it. That's horse crap. That's horse crap. And coming from a person that's been fined before, coming from a person that everybody's expecting a lot from, and I'm still growing... But yet, when you constantly see the hits, constantly see flags being picked up, and you constantly see flags getting thrown, and to see other quarterbacks getting it, lesser hits, lesser physical hits, then it's taking the fun from me out. I'm just being honest with that. Guys, what do you have to say about these uh, these quotes from Cam Newton? We got on Odell Beckham for saying NFL is not fun anymore, dangles. Cam Newton made a stand this week. What do you have to say about it?
1: I'm going to get on him for making for not for necessarily for making a stand because I look I I respect him when if he feels like he's he's being treated unfairly by officials then you know what you come up and you come up and and, and say something because there may be a he may have a case for that fa- the fact that he's not getting calls that maybe other quarterbacks are that maybe somebody like a Tom Brady is going to get a call on or or maybe even somebody like Ben Roethlisberger but I mean I kind of have to hand it to I, I kind of fall in the same camp as as, we, as we're talking about Steelers one of their offensive linemen, Marcus Gilbert came out this week and kind of bashed not necessarily bashed Cam, but kind of chided him for for his his point of view on this and I have to agree with him if you don't like the way things are going in the pocket for you that's a conversation that you need to take up not with the commissioner of football. But with your offensive line coordinator because if you're taking too many hits behind the line, look, the law of averages says that not every single hit is going to be clean. It just doesn't work that way. We see players in the NFL now trying to make clean hits for the most part except if Vervonta perfect, you know, trying to make clean hits for the most part and even then, there's still helmet-to-helmet contact. You saw, if you watched the video of Calais Campbell hitting Cam Newton in that game last weekend, he apologizes to Cam or it appears that he does right away because he knew That he went low, and that's not something most uh, football players are going to want to do. You don't want to hurt a guy. This isn't Greg Williams' defensive system in
0: 2010. Absolutely, but that point right there, Calais immediately after he made the hit came out to apologize. There should have been a flag on that play. Calais knew he made a wrong play. That's a a problem with the officiating. That's what Cam's saying. These officials are not treating me as fairly as the other ones. Brian, what do you have to say on this?
2: I... I don't have an issue with him standing up and making a point because that is a, that, that was a bad hit, and, what, and it wasn't a legal, a legal one at that. They should have thrown a, a flag. Now, the question that comes into my mind is, Cam is making point that this is happening regularly. Does he have legitimate concern that this is a problem that is persisting game after game after game in comparison to other quarterbacks? Now, I, I personally didn't see every hit that he endured last week, but I have watched you know a lot of games this year, and I'm very well aware that other quarterbacks in and, and, and the league in general is coming down on late hits and and egregious hits at that. So, yes, is it surprising that a guy like Cam Newton, one of the poster childs a year ago, um, talking about not getting calls um, in comparison to other people? Yeah, but you got to also remember that he's also a running quarterback. They, they they run a lot with him. Last yeah. week was one week where they decided they were going to do more with him on the running aspect. So is he going to take hits that other quarterbacks aren't? Like, for example, Carson Palmer. Carson yeah. Palmer isn't going to—every I, I every time I see Carson Palmer, this guy gets flags. He gets a lot of flags um, going his way. I don't see that with Cam Newton on a regular basis because I think Cam Newton, when he starts sidestepping and getting out of the pocket, he's such a threat that I think automatically refs are w- not willing to give him the benefit he of the doubt. He also is
0: built like a middle linebacker. And, like, and, and, and that's huge, true, but then,
2: but but, but but you brought up Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger is similar skill set, similar size. He gets hit all the time. And, and he doesn't get flags. I don't. Think, no, not not as nearly as much as Cam Newton is, is implying. So I, I that's where I kind of take a step back and go, I don't know exactly how how well you he's are, well he's positioning. You are himself. the reigning
1: NFL MVP. You don't think that every single defense is going to come out with a chip on its shoulder and say, "I want to rock the guy absolutely. who won the MVP I, last I, I, year." I, th- I think
0: every referee you crew be, should say, "We have the NFL MVP on the field. We should protect." Yes,
1: him. and and I'm not trying to say that the the officials shouldn't be looking closer at these hits. They absolutely should, but. But the way that Cam went about this, and we know that Cam is a sore loser. You remember after the Super Bowl last year, he wouldn't talk to the media. He he closed himself off, and every time he's lost a game this year, he's been short with the media. He won't talk to them, but when they win, oh, let's have a half-an-hour press conference to look at all the great things that I did. He's a whiny, sore loser. We know this already, so it's totally not out of the ballpark for him to be complaining about getting hits. You're a quarterback in the NFL. You literally get paid seven digits so that you can get hit by other guys. That's what you get paid for. And if you're going to get pissed off because a couple of times they're not
0: throwing flags on you, I'm sorry. I really don't have that much uh, that much sympathy for you. All right. Let's let's uh, let's move on here. We have an email from one of our readers. Pat from Denver sent this in. With the election coming up, by the time we have our next podcast, we will have elected a new president for this wonderful United States of America. Um, taking politics aside, we got a question from Patrick saying, which team in the NFL would vote for each candidate. So before I kick it over to you guys on which team would vote Hillary, which team would vote Trump, I will say right now, if Bernie Sanders was in the race, I have the perfect team for Bernie Sanders, and that's the Green Bay Packers. In an NFL full of billionaire owners that own and run their team, a team that's owned by the people, that's the Bernie Sanders <laughs> way right there. Um, I appreciate that. That's absolutely right. Um, so Green Bay's voting for Bernie. So, Brian, let's shoot it over to you, my man. Which team in the NFL is voting for Miss Clinton? Well, let's think. What team is has been successful over
2: the last I don't know couple decades? Has been consistently in the limelight, good and bad, is not shy of controversy. (laughs) Let me think. Who could
1: you possibly be talking about?
2: (laughs) I'm going to have to go with the New
0: England Patriots.
2: Okay. I don't think, I think there's any team accurate. that embodies who Hillary Clinton is more than New England <laughs> Patriots, Bill Belichick, and
0: Deflategate. That Clinton machine is, a lot, is much akin
2: to the Patriot way. A lot of wins, a lot of losses, but you know, success all around, but not, no short of controversy.
0: So all nice. right. So, Dangles, who's voting for Trump? There, well,
1: buddy? you've left me with Mr. Donald J. Trump for my uh, my <laughs> NFL comparison here. Uh, I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. Bingo. As Donald <laughs> J. Trump. Um, and that is in no small part because Jerry J. Jones is their owner and because Jerry Jones pretty much just embodies everything that Trump is he's brash he doesn't really care what people think about mm-hmm. him he'll do exactly what he wants to do regardless of the outcomes and um and he's just kind of a slimeback. and uh so I think in a, those in a lot of ways that his and, and you know I mean you know let's think about it it doesn't he doesn't seem to be bothered by scandal he brought back Greg Hardy at the beginning of this year you know so as far as I'm concerned I think the Dallas Cowboys are uh, uh are the team that uh, that most re- re- represents Donald Trump.
2: And we know that Donald Trump would build a monstrosity like, like Jerry World. Oh, Jerry World? Absolutely. We know that that, that would be right up his alley. Absolutely. I'm going to
1: build a stadium that's so big you have no idea. You haven't even seen how big the stadium that I'm going to build is going to be. It's going to be so much bigger than any other stadium you've ever seen. Believe me.
0: So that's it. If Again, if you have any questions that you want us to answer, please email us at Podcast at gmail.com. And now we move forward to everyone's favorite weekly game. We're heading into gravestone territory guys again to recap we have a death pool of san francisco chicago bears miami dolphins new york jets cleveland browns and the jacksonville jaguars each week we uh give a gravestone to a team as a team that's not making the playoffs uh dangles i'm gonna shoot it over to you first you the first week you killed indy then you killed the new york giants then you killed the baltimore ravens now who are you giving you gravestone to there's so
1: much parody in the NFL this year outside of most of the teams that we've killed off already. But I think this week I'm going to have to follow in Brian's footsteps from last week and even coming off the buy, because I kind of wanted to do it last week, give my gravestone to the LA Rams. Oh man. Just as much as it kills me to do it, because I really want to believe that they can win in that division. I think Seattle and Arizona are going to be just on the top side of mediocre enough to be in contention for the, the division and If a miracle happens, a wild card second team to come out of the uh, NFC West. But third place ain't going to come. No, absolutely not. And I don't think the L.A. Rams, the way that they've been playing this year, are are good for anything more than third place. So my gravestone this week goes, unfortunately,
0: to the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, man. Oh, (laughs) man. All right, Brian, the first week you killed Indy with Dangles. The second week you killed Carolina with me. And then you killed the L.A. Rams last week. Who are you killing for this week? I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Wow, okay. And, and here's why. Uh, I
2: was we were, As we will preview to you uh, later on, we're going to talk about the quarterback position for the Los Angeles Rams. But one thing that came across my research was that how bad Joe Flacco is p- playing right now. He has one of the worst starting QB, QBRs in the league. Um, and when that team doesn't have him high, uh, performing at his highest, and I know they're a defensive-oriented team, they don't do well. And that's a division where you have an Andy Dalton, where you do potentially have a Ben Roethlisberger coming back in. But that whole AFC is 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 top heavy when you talk about the AFC West teams, along with New England. Um, and so I I don't see uh, a team in the AFC North coming out potentially in the wild card. Yeah. And and so with Baltimore not performing to its to its greatest, their, their net points are negative six. They're not great on the road. They're one and two at home. They're on a four game skid. To me, that's a really big sign of a team that it has a big, big, big mountain to climb if they're going to come out of that. So
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you there. I will say when we get to my gravestone now, uh, Baltimore is not getting my gravestone because if they win this week, they're leading that division. They beat Pittsburgh this week, they're leading that division. Whenever you're in close, anything can happen. Same reason I'm not giving my gravestone to Indy because they're close in a division that's an absolute dumpster fire. Who knows who's going to win that division? They're two
2: games out, Indy.
0: I know that, yeah. But uh, and Houston is undefeated at home, and they're looking okay. But Houston doesn't look like they can run away with that division. Neither does Tennessee. Indy is scratch and claw. I'm not ready to kill them yet. I'm also not ready to kill the Rams yet, because it was down to the Rams and the team that's getting my gravestone. The first week I gave it to, the first week I gave it to San Diego. The second week I gave it to Carolina. The next week I gave it to New Orleans. Coincidentally, all those teams, the week after I gave them a gravestone, they won their following game. But (laughs) regardless. I'm not giving it to L.A. this week because they still have a bullet in the chamber, and that's the man we're going to spotlight in the Rams segment of uh, Jared Goff. So who knows what can happen if he gets in there. The team that I'm going to kill is also in their division though and that's a team Ooh. that lost a terrible game to Carolina where Carson Palmer got sacked 8 times and I'm killing the Arizona wow. Cardinals. Let's I am wow, that's man. That's they, a choice. Bold. they sit at 3-4 and 1 right now and we've already said that 10 wins needs to get you need 10 wins to get into the playoffs in the NFC and you need 10 wins even more if one of those games is already a tie. You're going to be in trouble if you're 9-6 and 1. You're not going to make the playoffs with that record. I don't see them getting to 10 wins. They still play a really tough schedule heading out of the gate. They have San Fran coming off the bye after this week, which is going to be a win. But they play a lot of really good teams, thanks to finishing as well as they did last year. They have trouble, guys. They don't have an extra bullet in the chamber. They are who they are. Carson's not as good as he was. That defense is slowly falling apart, even though it's built of superstars. The offense is not clicking and the O-line's not protecting. I don't see Arizona turning around and making these playoffs. They've lost too many heartbreaking games and but, uh, but using your same logic AFC South you know the Houston Texans being 2 games
2: out i mean they're they're sitting pretty in the second spot you know one game behind true arizona True.
0: I think Seattle beats them, and I don't think a wildcard team comes out of that.
2: Look, I mean, I think we have to all accept
1: that this is just going to start getting harder and harder and harder every week. And the teams that we pick to be gravestone maybe aren't going to seem like they ought to be gravestone when we pick them. I mean, you know, hell, I picked the New York Giants a couple of weeks ago. We have no idea. And there's one team that we
0: started off in our grave pool, the Miami Dolphins, who are making runs.
1: Yeah, but is I mean, they they are, you know, but just real quickly, I just don't know if two consecutive 200yard games from Jay Ajayi, which have really been the only reason that they've won those yeah. games and they need to continue to sustain a winning record and especially in the AFC East I mean this is this league is the Patriots to lose this year as far as I'm concerned from a completely objective standpoint the level of football they're playing is just so far and away better than everybody else. So Miami has a Herculean uh, task ahead of them if they want to even be in the running for a wild card out of the AFC East.
0: And those are our gravestones for the week, and that ends our recap of Week 8. Before we move on to spotlighting Jared Goff and looking at the week ahead for Los Angeles, we're going to substitute our normal Take 2 segment with a Trade 2 segment because both of your team's guys made a trade at this trade deadline, so let's break those down next. Ram it, baby. (laughs) All right, guys, here we are for our trade two segment this week. We had two trades uh, at the trade deadline, both involving your teams. Brian, we're going to go to you first. Tampa Bay traded their starting cornerback, Jonathan Banks, to the Detroit Lions for a seventh round pick. What do you make for this trade for you, Detroit Lions?
2: Well, I personally enjoy it because the Lions have had such subpar corner play besides Darius Slay that it'll be nice to have somebody on the other side. And um, Darius Slay was his college football teammate. Oh. They actually came out the same year and were separated by, belief believe, six picks.
0: Yeah, both in the second round. Both of in the second round. Yep. So it's going to be fun to watch
2: uh, when Slay gets back on the field. And we'll see how Banks fits into the game plan for the Lions. But... I suspect he'll be right in the mix early on because that's how bad the cornerback play has been, and they've had some injuries. But Nevin Lawson just got absolutely tossed last game, yeah. Um, and so it's going to be very, it's going to be very, very interesting to see if they're able to get a really solid player out of this because with. With how bad the Lions have been defensively, any help would be great.
0: Yeah, and they're fighting for a wild card there. they got a pretty decent record on top of it. And Dangles, the New England Patriots, traded their probably the best athlete on their defense, Jamie Collins, the linebacker, to the Cleveland Browns for a third-round pick. Jamie Collins, is uh, on his last year of his contract, was running around. Uh, reporters in New England have quoted him to say he wanted that Von Miller money. Uh, now he's in Cleveland. Went Don't from seven and one to zero and eight.
1: Yeah, and you know this is, um, you know, maybe on the surface level, another sort of head scratching defensive trade for the Patriots after dealing away, arguably, well, not arguably, their best pass rusher in, in Chandler, Chandler Jones. Jones to the Arizona Cardinals over the off season. Um, At face value, I don't love it because he's the anchor of that defense and because we're missing out on a freak of an athlete and and somebody who is an incredible pass rusher and who can drop back into zone coverage and knows how to get his hands on a ball. He can pull down tips and stuff like that. But it's about developing talent in the future. We know the Patriots love draft picks. They love to trade. They love to trade away for draft picks, which then they turn into even more draft picks and end up drafting like, you know... Uh, division one double a offensive lineman and wide receivers or a safety wide receiver
2: or or a quarterback that turns into one of the best wide receivers in the game. And what's the
1: common thread with all of these guys is that they all get brought up through the Belichick system. And eventually they're standing on the sideline next to him on some form of the Patriots depth chart, their main 53 man roster. So this was for, you know, when they traded Chandler Jones away, uh, that was for a second round pick. They turned that second round pick into third and fourth round picks. I think that they're looking at this as an immediate return on investment for for Jamie Collins. They know what they're getting with him. I'd also heard that he was uh, that he was possibly, and this was comes from Mike Lombardi uh, at Fox NFL uh, Fox NFL analyst. He was hearing in New England that that hit the contract talks were starting to affect his play. In a way where, you know, during the when he played against the Bills on one play, uh, Lombardi accused him of basically just freelancing, going off and doing whatever he wanted on the play, and the Bills got a 28 yard gain out of it. Can't do that. So, I mean, if you're looking at this, I think they get development out of it, and I think they ship off somebody who might not have been a great fit on the field for them and who might have been in the locker room. And you also have to remember at the end of the day, everything in New England comes back to Tom Brady it's all about what Brady wants and it's all about what is going to make Brady happy maybe he wasn't the guy in the locker room for Brady but if Brady said anything about it you can guarantee I can guarantee you that had something to do with the fact that he's gone
0: yeah I think uh that both teams are winning this trade I think Hugh Jackson gets a great defensive playmaker on a defense that's looking for playmakers looking for any help they can get and Uh, New England, if Jamie Collins had left during free agency, they would have gotten probably a conditional third-round pick at the end of the third round in 2018. Instead, they get Cleveland's third-round pick in 2017, which looks like it could be the first pick of the third round, with Cleveland playing as poorly as they're playing. So... Yeah, I don't know. I think they got a little bit more form. It's weird to trade away one of those players when you're making a Super Bowl run. It's clearly New England and the rest of the field this year in the NFL. But do
1: you really think—I mean, look, yes, Belichick is going to catch some heat if the Patriots, down the stretch, run into trouble with their pass rush. Then people are going to point to the fact that Chandler Jones is gone and that Jamie Collins is gone and they don't have anybody else who can put pressure on quarterbacks. Yes. I don't necessarily see that happening. We just added Kyle Van Noy from the Lions, who I think is going to make an impact early on once They get him into the defensive playbook and rotating in on packages. I honestly don't know if they're really going to miss him that much. Next week will be a good litmus test. We'll see. But if they don't seem to miss him that much, then I think
2: this works out great for New England. And I think you're looking at a philosophy of how to run a front office. It's not a coincidence that Bob Quinn, the GM for the Lions, was a a Belichick disciple. Mm -hmm. So you can see how this plan or this way of accumulating talent and then turning it over into more future um, pr- uh, prospects is is the way to go if you want to have long term success in this in this league. And I'm excited to have the hopefully the kind of success that the the Patriots have had in the uh, Detroit Lions locker room.
0: And that's your little trade deadline recap for your trade two segment. Now let's move on to the reason we're here, boys: the L.A. Rams. Ram Woo. it! <laughs> And welcome back, everyone, to the Left Coasters podcast. My name is Tony Cavallo with Matt D'Angelo Antonio and Brian Balzarini and we are here in our L.A. Rams section ready to spotlight the QB of the future, the kid we picked number one, the L.A. savior, Jared Goff. Again, we are the Left Coasters Podcast. You can reach us at email at theleftcoasterspodcast at gmail.com. We have an Instagram and a Facebook under the same name. And we are three football fans, fans of separate teams from separate cities now living in Los Angeles and got gifted a hometown team, a reason to go to a game and root for your team that's not necessarily the team you grew up watching. That's why we're here. We're trying to follow the Rams and convince ourselves to be fans of the Rams. And at this bye week, the Rams sit at 3-4. and four. And clearly they are in a little bit of trouble. They are not a playoff team or a Super Bowl team like we all want them to be. They need to be winners if they want to make a mark in Los Angeles. And they have a kid sitting on the bench that they drafted first this year. The first overall pick of the draft, and that is Jared Goff. He is the quarterback of the team, and he is a kid that has a chance to take us to the next level. The question which we'll be answering in a little bit is whether he should or will start against Carolina or at all this season. before we dive in, let's do a little bit of history on Mr. Jared Goff. Jared Goff was born on October fourteenth, nineteen ninety four. So happy belated oh, birthday, God. Jared Goff. I know he's twenty two years old. Ninety four. Twenty two. That's insane. Uh, he was born in Novato, California, Marin County, which is right outside of San Fran, and grew up to be six foot four and 215 pounds. It's a prototypical quarterback size right there. He played three years of RC football at Marin Catholic High School. He threw for over 7,500 yards and 93 touchdowns in those three years, and his high school teams went 39-4. and four. It's pretty damn good He's in a high winner. school. He then got a lot of offers from college, but chose to stay at home and go to Cal. And he was the first true freshman in California history to start the season opener for their team. His uh, freshman team went one and (laughs) eleven. It's a little (laughs) bit of a rough start. Uh, Sophomore season, he went five and seven. His junior year, which was his final year, we went seven and five. Their first winning season since 2011. He threw for 4,700 yards, 43 touchdowns, 13 picks, and had a 65 percent completion rate. That's pretty solid the one caveat i will say from his college time is against the four big names in the west coast football you have stanford usc ucla and oregon jared goff went 0 and 12 in his cal career against those four teams so that's a little bit of a, a little bit of a worry right there should be. When he went into the Combine uh, in the NFL, he did post really good numbers at the Combine, including a 36 on the Wonderlick which is the intelligent test they give everyone, 50 being the highest score. 36 is certainly above average. That's
1: impressive considering he does not know or did not know that the sun rises in the east and sets right? in the west. The fact that he scored so highly on the Wonderlick is really impressive. He's a good he's
2: a good test taker.
0: Maybe. Yeah, I guess so. It's clearly, clearly that wasn't a question on the list. Um And then uh, he—I actually bring that up because I wanted to note that uh, one of the lowest scores ever recorded was a 7, and that was by Tavon Austin, your wide receiver for the L.A. Rams.
2: You know, I also had a terrible one was Vince Young. Oh, yeah. Another another Fisher man.
0: (laughs) That's true. So, yeah, we have some uh, idiots on the team. We have some smart guys. Um, Interesting note, when he was training for to go into the draft, uh, this is from Bruce Feldman for Fox Sports, he was training with a guy named Ryan Flaherty, who trains a lot of these college kids trying to make it to the NFL, and it turns out, this is from uh, Bruce Feldman's writing here, turns out Jared Goff has an enzyme deficiency that doesn't allow him to break down proteins. Typical nutritional sources where athletes load up to add bulk and muscle didn't work for Goff, which finally explained why no matter how much he ate, he didn't seem to be able to fill out. His body didn't process red meat. Every college athlete chugs whey protein shakes, but they didn't work for Goff either. Nothing seemed to. So this guy, Ryan Flaherty, actually built 20 pounds of muscle on Jared Goff, even though Goff cannot like digest proteins. So what did they give him? plant-based? They get, Yeah, it was a lot of probiotics and a lot of stuff like that, which is weird for an athlete to have that deficiency in their body and still be strong enough to be an NFL-caliber athlete.
2: Well, what's, what's his saving grace is probably being a quarterback. That's true. If he were Very an offensive true. lineman or a linebacker or even a corner who was, you know, t- tussling with guys every play, it would probably be clear how how inefficient or how deficient he was. Excuse me.
0: And so uh, the Rams moved up to get the first pick of the draft with the Tennessee Titans. And they, they got, actually, the Tennessee's first pick, fourth-round pick, and sixth-round pick. And they gave up two firsts, one in 2016, one in 2017, two seconds, and two thirds, one in 2016, one in 2017. A hefty, hefty amount of picks to give up for a guy that you are picking to be the savior of your franchise. And this guy, ladies and gentlemen, we just drove in a little bit of his history and how he came to be here. This guy is sitting on the bench. This guy is not seeing the field at all. He wears 16 because he grew up loving Joe Montana, and right now, Joe Montana can't see the field. What are we thinking about here, guys? Do... I I have I, said before on the podcast I want to see Goff right now I think this is the perfect time to throw Goff in there after the bye. he has been getting first team reps this week in practice but that's because Case Keenum already knows the offense and doesn't necessarily need to he I'll, he needs reps well, what are he, he needs talking about? reps that's absolutely just,
1: yeah that's just kind of that's just kind of it and one of the things I wanted to know it's like it's hard to yeah like and Fisher said yeah well you know we put Jared in because Case knows what he's doing and he understands the office we didn't feel like he needed especially coming off the bye, the extra days worth of throws. I, after throwing four picks in that last game, uh, I have to I have to sit here and go, I think Case Keenum needs as many snaps in practice as he can get. A little, so, fu-
2: little fun fact about Case Keenum real quick is that there are only four starting quarterbacks who have a worse QBR than he does. That is Joe Flacco, Brock Osweiler, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and pick either Blaine Gabbert or Colin Kaepernick. So that's yeah. a very that's a very like very so, terrible crowd to be a part so of. So you're at
0: the end of the bench on the NFL starting QBs with Case Keenum, who's to say Goff isn't better? And there's reason to believe that a rookie quarterback with all the success of the rookies could do just as well. But you
1: still just don't know. And I think that's what... That's what th- there's a couple of things that, that that sort of stick out to me when I think about this. Because, you know, it, look, if Stan Kroenke was coming down to Jeff Fisher's office and saying, listen, you need to start Jared. Okay, this is no longer an option for you. Goff would be in the game. There'd be no question. But that's obviously not happening because Jeff Fisher is sticking to Case Keenum. So either Case is just there's something missing that... that that Jeff and the rest of his coaching staff are not seeing when he's out on the practice field, which makes sense because I don't from what I understand about Jared Goff believe that he's much of a tape freak and if sitting in a classroom and doing like football schoolwork, if you will, means anything in Jeff Fisher's organization, Jared Goff's going to have trouble right away because okay. he probably doesn't like to sit and watch tape. I think he rests on his laurels and being a big, strong, talented quarterback. The other thing, or the other possibility, is that Jeff Fisher is so goddamn stubborn and he he is so unwilling to <laughs> deviate from his season plan that which was which was and i'm pretty sure we can all agree his plan was to have golf ride the bench for his entire first yeah, season to get a sense to, to yep. get a sense of what what being in an nfl offensive line is like now he must he, he unless he is hell-bent on keeping that that's the only other reason i could think of that he's that he's not getting in the game because now as you said now is the time now if they're the time. going to put him in It has to be after the bye week. Otherwise, Jared Goff isn't going to see the field until the Rams are out of playoff contention and it doesn't matter anymore. Then and only then will Jeff Fisher bring him in.
0: Answer me this, guys. You have the Philadelphia Eagles who are playing great. What is the difference between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Los Angeles Rams? You can't tell me that a certain position group is better on Philly than it is on L.A. The running backs aren't better. The wide receivers aren't better. The defense isn't better. Yet Wentz is playing and he's made that team an actual competitive team would Goff be able to step in and do the same?
2: I don't think so. I think Carson and Goff are two different quarterbacks, and I think they're two different situations. If anything has shown us over the history of the NFL that when when it comes to rookie quarterbacks, it is a lot about where they're at and what they're doing. And I don't know if you look at Carson Wentz and look at his skill set as a great reader of defenses, a film aficionado, who made, his, who made his hay in North Dakota State being a, a great leader who just made plays with his legs and, and, and everything else. I don't know if that's the type of guy that, uh,
0: that Goff is. We need to know if our number one pick, the guy we traded all this for, the, guy, the, the reason we don't have a number one pick this coming draft, is Ryan Tannehill or is he Joe Montana? When is the time to start him? I think soon, because I think more importantly, you got to see what, where his floor is and
2: where his ceiling is at. You have to, right? You, you have to, to assess that.
0: They do play Carolina, who just came off a huge win, coming into our house. And this is a team that uh, is not having the season that they wanted to have after being 15-1. and They come into L.A. off of a huge win. What do you think the matchups are here, guys? Are we going to be able to stop Cam and his offense? Are we going to be able to score in their defense? What's going on?
2: It's going to be interesting to see if the Rams can come off their bye week with a healthy defensive line. And an angry defensive line. And an angry defensive line. But I think, unfortunately, the Carolina Panthers... Uh, are coming into the the game with a bit of umph in their in their step. I think, you know, Cam Newton as we talked about is upset. I think he's running the ball better than he's ever ran the ball, and I don't know if the defense, the LA Rams defense is capable of of stopping Cam Newton if Cam Newton feels comfortable. If Cam Newton can can stand upright now. That's going to be the difference. Is if he if he gets popped in the mouth a bunch, then then can he get off his game? Be forced to throw, but then you still have to worry about James Stewart and I think Luke Keekley The question is, can can the Rams offense manage to get by those 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 subpar, very subpar DBs? Terrible I don't DBs. I, I don't think so. I don't think they have it in them.
1: I think it comes down to, you know as you said, the defense pressuring Cam Newton. We already know that he curls up into a ball and doesn't want to play anymore and wants to take his ball and go home when he gets hit because he's not having fun anymore. Um, so I think if they can put pressure on him and make him really uncomfortable, that'll be step one. And then the other step is to not do what they did against the Giants, which is possess the ball for nearly 40 minutes and still only be able to put up 10 points. For For that reason, I think the Carolina Panthers are going to win. I just haven't seen the offensive efficiency out of the Rams that I – would expect to see out of a winning football team. The way they're playing right now, they put up 17 points a game tops, and that's not going to be enough to beat Cam Newton, I don't think, this week. So I'm going to go with Carolina.
0: So the two of you with our first Week 9 pick are going with Carolina. Guys, I'm going on a limb here. I'm thinking the Los Angeles Rams win this game. This is with the fact that Jared Goff is playing because Jared Goff can do something that I think Case Keenum cannot and that is throw the deep ball. They need to be able to stretch this Carolina defense, give Gurley some running room, get him going early, and the defense needs to punch Cam in the mouth. I think Cam and this Carolina team, if they don't come out with focus and energy, they tend to overlook some teams. And this LA team is easy to overlook. They just came off a huge win against the team they beat in the NFC Championship last year in Arizona. Now they're coming to LA, they're thinking they're going to cakewalk through this team, and I don't think that's the case. I'm going with the Los Angeles Rams, and uh, I'll be there, guys. I can't wait to be Have a good there. time. Jealous. I'm very excited. Very, have a very blast. Excited. You really will. We want golf, Bring your own water. We want golf. Up next, we have the injury report, and then following that, our week nine picks. Thank you, everybody. All right, guys. Injury report this week. We've got big
2: news out of Steeler land. Ben Roethlisberger practicing this week. Dangles thoughts
1: well uh, I think if he comes back it's going to be a a tough task for I believe it's Baltimore that they're playing this week Uh, it's gonna be tough for Baltimore to beat them Um, the way they're playing uh, the way they're playing defensively right now they're playing offensively especially right now Um, the, the torn meniscus is not an easy thing to come back from the fact that he's two weeks out from this injury and taking first team reps I think is a good sign barring a huge setback he I figure he plays on Sunday and and yeah Steelers should win
2: classic Ben Roethlisberger Uh, We have also Alex Smith and Spencer Ware dealing with concussions for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Alex Smith passed his concussion test. Spencer Ware did not.
1: If I'm Andy Reid, I don't know if I'm terribly worried. Like, yes, you're always going to be worried as a coach when you lose your starting quarterback and your starting running back. Good news uh, for Kansas City is that Nick Foles came out and played very well last week. 19 and, and, and for
2: 22, 135 passer rating.
1: Yeah, like, I mean, that's I mean, he may have just signed himself a contract for the following season with another team who's in desperate need of a starting quarterback. Like, oh, I don't know, the New York Jets, the I was gonna Cleveland say. Browns. Yeah. Uh, just to name a couple off the top of my Head. No one
0: made more money this week than Nick Foles. No, and I mean Chicago Sharkan- Bears and
1: Shark- uh, Chicago Bears. Kendrick West uh, will be the running back, it sounds like in Kansas City then. Fantasy owners if you need Jamal, a running... <laughs> yeah, Jamal. Jamal yeah, went to right. the IR. Jamal Charles is also on the IR this week, so Kendrick West starting in the backfield. Fantasy owners, pick him up. He will get points. They're going to run the ball a lot because
2: they don't have shit for receivers. Uh, but another big loss for the uh, Cardinals. Tyron Matthew will, will miss three to six weeks. the Honey Badger. With oh. a sublux subluxation subla- subluxation subluxation, excuse it's me. It's like sort of a dislocation. It sounds like you've had it before.
1: It's like kind of a dislocated shoulder, and I have. Oh um, boy, it's not fun. Oh, that's uh, three to six weeks is is. I mean, it's it's a it's a very painful injury. I'll say that much. So, uh, I, you know, yeah. Best of luck, Tyron. I'm I feel you on the shoulder.
2: Another big loss in the uh, secondary for the Cowboys was Barry Church broke his forearm. He's got a great name. Three to five weeks. I like
0: Barry Church.
1: Barry Church. Well, you never like to lose your starting safety. Hopefully, the Cowboys' uh, mediocre defense will be able to maintain its mediocrity. <laughs>
2: well, that is it for injury report. Next, we have the schedule. Ooh, picks. Picks.
0: And here we are, guys, for our week nine picks. We are the Left Coasters podcast. Tony Cavallo, Matt D'Angelo Antonio, and Brian Balzarini. And we are here. Brian bowser i I'm so sorry, buddy. It's okay. Get, get you it did it last time. time. I was
2: like, I'm not going to say anything. We've
1: only been doing this for eight
0: weeks. It's okay. I'll get your name right eventually. But Appreciate we are here it. breaking down the picks. And uh, before we move on forward, our guest last week, TJ, had a great record of 5-7. and seven. So Alche, your guest host throne is still yours. Uh, Dangles, you won last week, man, with an eight and four record. You are now above five hundred at fifty one and fifty. Congratulations, buddy. Eat me, Jeff Fisher. There you go, big dog. I am in second place at fifty seven and forty four, and Brian, you are fifty eight and forty three. One game separates us. You're plus fifteen on the year above five hundred. That's pretty solid, man. Yeah, but
2: you got, you're right up behind me, so I got to I got to stay strong. It's this It's going
0: to be a good race. It's going to be a good race. Uh, uh, we already made our Rams picks. So I'm the only one to take the. Rams you guys took Carolina let's break down the rest of them guys
2: all right first game we have this Thursday is the Falcons at the Buccaneers
0: I'll take Atlanta in this game. I think Matt
1: Ryan and company continue to impress. Tevin Coleman is missing from the backfield this week, so carries will fall to Devontae Freeman and Devontae Freeman alone, barring any crazy injuries. Uh, but I mean, I think they I think they have just good enough of a defense to get by in this game, uh, led by who? One of the most underrated uh, def- uh, secondary defenders in the NFL, Robert Alford. Uh, I'm picking Atlanta here.
0: Yeah, I'm there with you. Although I think Tampa Bay puts up a pretty pretty big fight against them, but I'm going with Atlanta as well.
2: I'm going with Atlanta as well and to make point too, the Falcons have probably been the most consistent team. Every week their offense puts up crazy numbers and their defense puts up, you know, subpar, but you know, average get by numbers. So, one of the most consistent teams. I think teams. that'll work against Tampa Bay. I that'll think I think yeah. they're good and if they're good for that, um, they're good for a win. Next, we have the Sunday games starting with the Lions at the Vikings. Tony, I Lions at
0: the Vikings. I'll tell you, the Vikings have fallen off a cliff over here. They have two left tackles that cannot block anyone, and that's going to cause them trouble with these games. I don't think Detroit can beat them, though. I'm going with Minnesota.
1: I am going with Minnesota as well, despite the fact that Chicago uh, exposed a huge vulnerability in that offensive line in uh, Monday night's game. I still think Minnesota comes out on top of this. I know I know that the Lions aren't a stellar road team, and uh, I think they're going to struggle going into the brand new U.S. Bank Stadium in downtown Minneapolis. And if
2: it uh, works for the Vikings, the uh, Detroit Lions defense made Brock Osweiler look like a real quarterback this week. That's uh, never good. That's impressive. It's, yeah, impressively bad. I also am going with the Vikings because the Lions just they don't pair well. They don't pair well in Minnesota
0: ever. Did you know that new Minnesota Stadium is on Chicago Avenue?
1: Oh, that's an
2: that's that's ironic poor place to build it, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I didn't
0: know that. A little, little tidbit for you. That's what I'm here for
2: Michigan Avenue, Chicago. Something to think about.
0: <laughs>
2: Eagles at the Giants is the next game.
0: Eagles at the Giants is going to be a really fun game. It's going to be watch. fun to watch. I'm excited. I think this. Odell Beckham goes off. In this game, but I'm gonna pick Philly because I think Philly is the better overall team. Thanks.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think I think if the Giants are going to win this game, it's gonna fall on the on the shoulders of Odell Beckham uh, and the defense. They have no running game. As much as I do love my former radio co-host Rashad Jennings, uh, he's not much of uh, a, of a leading running back. Sad to say, in in New York. So uh, I'm picking Philadelphia here. They're gonna come back after a tough loss to Dallas with uh, a fire lit under their asses, and I think they're gonna play as such on the field
2: I've been a I've been a big fan of the New York Giants on this podcast in terms of sticking up for them when they need it most but um I, I'm gonna go with the New York Giants because I think with you a bar yeah because I think with a bye week that plays to Eli Manning's strength Eli Manning is not great to make adjustments week after week after week but if you give him two weeks he's capable of breaking down tape and 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 seeing the weaknesses in 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 the Eagles and they've got plenty to work from um and I and I think uh, at, at the Meadowlands bodes well for the New York Giants
0: I trust Doug Peterson more than I trust your driver's ed teacher Ben McAdoo
2: I do too, but I, I again. Ben
0: McAdoo is Ben McAdoo's driver's
2: ed teacher. <laughs> but think of it like this: the Giants every year do do this to us in the middle of the season, start winning games, especially interdivisional games. So I, I don't think it's going to change this year. I just don't. All and right. I agree with you that OBJ is going to have a great game, and and that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna be the difference, in my opinion. All right. Uh, next, we have the Jets at the Dolphins. God, Thanks. the Jets!
1: Do stink. I have to pick this the game? Uh, I'm i I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Miami in this. I do I do I think Jay Ajayi has a third consecutive 200 yard game. Probably not, but um, I think that my damn Miami Dolphins are just, just better the defense of the jets is terrible they don't know what the hell they're doing at quarterback. the only bright side of their offense has been matt forte and he only runs well when he gets within 20 yards of the goal line so i'm going uh with the miami Dolphins.
0: yeah again dangles i'm hand in hand with you here picking up miami i uh, i just don't see the jets brian you almost won your cleveland bet last week
2: heck yeah i almost did they should have beat
0: new Closest york this there was far. a point
1: at which i turned to tony while we were sitting in the bar in glendale and i said Brian might actually do it this week. He, he might did. have he it. Should've. And damn
2: it if you almost didn't. I, I, Watching that game, I thought there was a really strong chance. I got giddy. I got to be honest with you. I kept seeing the, the scoreboard. I was like, oh, man,
0: this is the week. So you got this week?
2: I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. I, I mean, the yeah. Jets... I, <laughs> When they looked as bad as they did against the Cleveland Browns, that, that pretty much spelled out the the season. Any 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 comeback for the rest of the season pretty much out the window. Uh, next, we have the Jaguars at the Chiefs. This seems pretty easy.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chiefs in this one. Yeah, I think so. Even with Nick Foles,
0: the Jaguars are falling apart. Gus Bradley's getting fired.
1: He's going to have to. And it sounds like there's discord down in Jacksonville as well in the locker room a little bit. At least two players, Malik Jackson, uh, former Bronco who came over after the Super Bowl, and Telvin Smith, one of their better uh, linebackers, uh, have both come out and said that they're Tired of you know the fans booing either you're yeah. with us or against us when the fans turn on you in Jacksonville. Think about how low the bar is for the Jaguars to actually be good, even for season ticket holders. Like they know they're going to watch a, f- a five and eleven team at
0: best. Yeah, I believe Malik Jackson said there were more Jaguars fans in the pool than watching the game. Would you I'd, I'd be in the I will, pool. Too. I'd be doing the same thing,
1: yeah. dude. Those cabana pools are amazing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm also going to be going with the Chiefs uh, at home with you know. Andy Reid in and that stash making decisions. <laughs> uh, next we have the Cowboys at the Browns. Ugh. this is we not We need to talk about this one very This long. is not the Browns no, week. Cowboys the week. win. I'm
0: sorry, it's not the week Dallas. Dallas. Next we have the Steelers at the Ravens. Potential Ben Roethlisberger return. And big game for the Ravens. The Ravens are going to come out and try to beat the shit out of this Pittsburgh team. They're fighting for a division and it's trying at, to turn their season around.
2: It's at Baltimore and usually at Baltimore the Pittsburgh Steelers have a have a have a go.
1: Yeah, I think this hinges completely and totally on whether or not Ben Roethlisberger plays on Sunday. I, I said in the injury report I thought he would. There's The signs are that he will. I'm going to go ahead and pick the Steelers. I'm going to assume Ben Roethlisberger plays, and I think if he does, he takes advantage of a not-very-great Ravens defense and a Ravens offense that is just that is anemic.
0: Yeah, if Ben is taking first team reps on Tuesday, that means he's going to be taking first team reps on Sunday. Pittsburgh wins this game.
2: I'm picking Pittsburgh too, but just watch that my graveyard pick the Ravens pull out a win and just make this. Oh, I
1: grave I gravestone them too. So you know. Okay.
2: All right. Well, something to look forward to. Next we have the Saints at the 49ers.
0: Ooh, this is tough just because New Orleans is coming off the biggest game of the year. They might overlook this San Fran team, but I, I, I see nothing in San Fran that could make me pick them. New Orleans.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and uh, pick New Orleans as well. I'll be interested to see what happens in the backfield in New Orleans this Sunday because Mark Tim Ingram Hightower. got sat after fumbling twice in the first half of the game this past week. Uh, so Tim Hightower will be the guy another fantasy ad if you need somebody at running back. Uh, he's going to be getting some carries this week, uh, I expect, and I'm picking New Orleans and Drew Brees.
2: Pretty usual. It's just going to be a lot of points, uh, Drew Brees style, and I don't think San Fran's going to be able to yep. change that course. Uh, Saints. Next, we have the Colts. At the Packers Tony
0: Oof, Andrew Luck coming to town man If They better not lose If we don't beat Indy That'll be terrible They played a really good game Against Atlanta A game that I watched As a fan of the Green Bay Packers And I didn't feel terrible After that loss They played really really solid Matt Ryan just beat him in the end Andrew Luck's the type of quarterback That could beat you in the end The thing is though I think Green Bay blows him out Go Green Bay He
1: doesn't have the pieces around him I don't think to do that Green Bay's still one of the better teams In the NFL Despite being plagued by injuries And despite yeah. Aaron Rodgers Not being in the Aaron Rodgers that were necessarily he used was to He seeing. was Aaron last he week. He was last week. That's yeah. the first time. That's the closest I've seen him to the Aaron that I expected to see so far. I don't think there's any way that Indy comes into Green Bay and wins this game at Lambeau. I'm yep. picking the pack.
2: And I think the only reason why we know Aaron had a great game uh, last week was because we didn't know anybody
0: else's names
2: <laughs> the, yeah. on that offense. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jeff
0: Janice, Geronimo Allison, and Trevor Davis all cut touchdown no idea and who oh and by the are. way if you
1: want like a master class in misogyny go check out Ger- geronimo allison's twitter feed it's 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 unsettling actually <laughs> it's a at lot time. of pussy talk a yeah it, it talk. is it is it's not it's not it's not something i would go to so that you could learn from him hey, man these these tweets these
0: tweets came from him when he was in college cardale jones had a great tweet when he was it was in college he said we didn't come here to play school all right, these kids are just worrying about football nothing else. So give them a little bit of leeway there. Well,
1: it's pretty. I think it's pretty safe to say that Cardale Jones doesn't play much school anyway. <laughs> he
2: must have been a poetry major. Next, we have the uh, Titans at the Chargers.
0: Oh, Titans at the Chargers. This is going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a really fun game. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and pick Tennessee in this game. Uh, I like Marcus
1: Mariota. He's come into his own a little bit more uh, and been able to move in the pocket. Um, he's, he's, he's found his new favorite target in Kendall Wright. Who is a, a a talented young receiver and that running game is very can run very on
0: stout. Absolutely, Derrick Henry looked great last I know. week. No, I'm I'm pissed. I lost him in my fantasy league. They can run on anybody, and I think San Diego. It's going to be a great game, but I think Tennessee comes out on top just because. I, I, I tell you the truth, I got nothing to really put my hat on this. I just think San Diego makes enough mistakes to lose games.
2: I I'm going to go with the San Diego Chargers. I had the fortunate. Um, Ability to watch the Chargers play this week, and I was actually quite impressed with Phillip Rivers and, and and that team. They they lose games somehow, and that and it's odd to watch them lose games um, the way they do. But um, I will say this: I'm with picking the Chargers this week. If they lose this game, they will be my kill team next week. Well, for yeah, sure. about time. About time. Yeah. What's yep. next? Next Sunday night. right? Sunday night. This is the biggie. We got the Broncos at the Raiders. The Ooh. Raiders
1: game of the week. This is this is finally a Sunday night matchup that actually is worth it. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. Last week Last was week Eagles was Cowboys yeah. and that was definitely worth it and that came right down to the end. This Sunday I'm picking the Broncos to you win are. on the road against the Raiders for the reason that the Raiders are 1 and 2 at home so far this year and 5 and 0 oh on the road. They're not winning games at the Coliseum and frankly, I can't blame them. I watched an A's game there once. It's like a cesspool for sports yes, fans.
2: Somehow Sebastian sh- Janikowski kicks everything off of off of that ground it's a shitty dirt and the grass you know
1: and it was great there was a guy at the bar on Sunday who's wearing a Janikowski jersey who's sitting and we we started chatting with him about his Raiders fandom and what I love is that he purchased this jersey he had to have purchased this jersey within the last couple of this wasn't like an old Raiders jersey jersey because yeah because all the old jerseys are Reeboks and this guy had Nike swooshes on his shoulders which means that he's purchased it within the last five years or so so this guy of Anyone He's on the Raiders, animal. he chose Sebastian Janikowski sea Bass, recently.
0: Seabass, I man. love it. Uh, Dangles, I'm going against you for the first time in most of these picks here. I think I think Oakland and those kids are ready for the prime time. I think they are. I think that uh, offense can score on anybody. Trevor Simeon is a good player, and but he doesn't scare me to score enough points to match Derek Carr. The question is, can they score on this Denver defense? I think they can. Go Carr, go. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with the Oakland Raiders. All right. I finally got to see what
2: I wanted to see in what I think is going to be the difference for that team. If they, I, I mean, as, as as it looks now, getting into the playoffs, and that's Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack had yeah. a week against Tampa Bay. Three sacks, two hits, five hurries, and five defensive stops. That's the hell of a game. He dominated that that game from the running and passing uh, perspective.
1: I, I give you guys kudos for that pick uh, because I just, I don't know. The, the Raiders have not been dominating Anyone that they have played so no, far, haven't. for me to believe that they are going to go out and dominate the best defense in the NFL and the Super Bowl, the There's reigning Super Bowl champions, I find that hard to believe. They don't
2: need to dominate an entire side of the ball. They need players who are dominant players to step up and, and make, make plays when they need it. them. Most. I think you they do players. need
1: to dominate an entire side of the ball. Which one it is doesn't really matter to me, but they either need to make Trevor Simeon's day, uh, day a living nightmare, or Khalil Mack has to have another game of his life, and this they just, is, or uh, I'm sorry, or or David. Car has to have another game of his life and throw for 500 plus yards.
2: And 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 you're very right that it hasn't happened, but they're gonna have to make it happen eventually to make this season into Absolutely. something special. I'm and sorry, I think this I week got could a soft be a, topic. Let's, oh no, you're let's, let's, let's let's no, totally. This to is to the this night is game.
0: appointment television Sunday night. I mean, no matter what team you're rooting for, this is the game to watch. It's a playoff game, it really is. Uh,
2: and lastly, we have the Monday night game at Seattle, hosting the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. I, I gotta. Make, I feel like I
1: gotta make one upset pick every week. I'm gonna go with the Bills here. Uh, really? I, I, yeah, yeah. You, you make know, it so convincing, Dangles. I know. Well, Russell Wilson. And no, look, they got blown out by the Patriots last week. No doubt about that. Yeah. But just about everybody. And, and granted, this is a team that they beat also without Tom Brady. I understand that. Yeah. Um. But you know, Jacoby Brissett was in when they when they lost that game, and he, the week before that, he beat the Texans twenty-eight to nothing.
0: And they also so, beat them without a dildo last time. Uh,
1: without that's right. They beat. You know, <laughs> that this was time, awesome. There was one hundred percent more dildo involved in the game uh Do you know what that dildo said
0: um i understand it was for tom brady it was brady's dildo that's what was written on the dildo brady's dildo that they threw it <laughs> just that's that's buffalo for you Bill's well, mafia going all out. you know I that's like why
1: him. that's why bill belichick will go down as one of the greatest coaches of all time and rex ryan will go down as having a foot fetish because right. it, it was dildo a dildo
0: coach. on the field The dildo coach. Uh, uh, Listen, uh, so you're taking Buffalo. I have Seattle has not played well at all. They 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 were terrible against a terrible defense in New Orleans. I just don't see Buffalo and Rex Ryan they look lost Pete without Carroll any running him. backs. They've yeah, gone through three or yeah. four
1: people this year. I mean, what a huge waste of money. Uh um I can't even remember his name because he's so insane. Jimmy Graham. What a huge waste yeah, of money Jimmy Graham turned out to okay be. Week. Like, when I, Doug I just, Baldwin is your number 1 receiver, I just don't see much out of that offense see, and the offensive line is fucking terrible.
0: I don't see Buffalo doing anything to the Seattle team. Maybe I'm just biased because Seattle's been so good for the past 3 years, but Buffalo's not winning. I'm sorry. Not no chance.
2: Yeah, and, and let's not make it sound like the offense didn't do its job. I mean, they did put up some points against New Orleans. Um, it's just that defense has somehow got to make got make plays, and I do think Cliff Averill against Tyrod Taylor causes some havoc. And uh,
0: Cam Chancellor's back this and week. And
2: Cam Chancellor's back, and they always they always play spirited ball in, in Seattle. I mean, just ask the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs>
1: Maybe we'll get lucky and the game will come down to uh, the foot of Stephen Hauschka and the Bills will win. Maybe it'll <laughs> be
0: a tie
1: or another tie because yeah. we haven't. Or maybe really there'll had...
2: be more dildos on the, fl- on, the on the field. <laughs> it's
1: hard to say. Well, uh, only one way to find out. Only I, one way to I'd find out. I love it. I love if to Buffalo
0: is like the Detroit Red Wings of the NFL and just threw dildos on the field instead, like, of, instead of octopuses. Yeah, just
1: yeah, just be I mean, the dildo I feel like team. the octopus tradition has a little bit more. Dignity than Absolutely then it does the, In
0: a dildo That's yeah, the point. Of course <laughs> That would be, that's Buffalo what would be funny Buffalo is worth the dildos That's what they're there for
2: Especially Brady's dildos But anyway That is the schedule This week gentlemen And uh, we're looking forward To some good action This
0: week <laughs> Yeah that was a fun Week 9 if, if it's anything like week 8 You're in for some treats Especially that Sunday night game Oakland and uh, Denver Is going to be a doozy We are the Left Coasters Podcast You can reach us At the Left Coasters Podcast At gmail.com We have the Instagram page And Facebook page Under the same name and we'll be back next week to break down what happened, and I'll be able to give you my Yelp review of the Rams Stadium. I'm so excited to go to this you game. You're gonna have a guys. good time. Dude. I'm so excited. All I know is go, golf, go. Put in golf. Let's go. We want golf. All That's right. what I'm be saying. There you have it. That's it. You're Ram it, baby. Ram it.